0: Canadian politicians seek to make portions of Christianity illegal, and I'll let you guess which portions they're going after. Plus, we're going to do a full exposure on the Vatican and the situation going on in the Catholic faith. Their decision to to bless same-sex unions, not a good one. I tell you about the cardinal behind it and God's response. Yes, God's response. Plus, we're going to talk about Facebook and YouTube and censorship in our extra content, thus the Facebook blue deep end shirt tonight, but you're gonna have to subscribe to the extra content to get a hold of that. This is your favorite night of the week, the deep end on Tim Hatch live. Welcome in, everybody. It is the deep end season seven, episode 17. Can you believe it? And welcome in. My name is Tim, I am your humble host. Click the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Get notified every time we go live on your smart device. Let your smart device do something smart for you. You, welcome in everybody. We talk about news from a Christian worldview, and we've got to address the growing tide of anti-Christian sentiment. To in the in the nation to our north in Canada, it's not a good look, and it's a harbinger of things to come in this country. Let's do deep end news.
1: Deep end news. The news you choose, if you
0: could choose news. One of the things we enjoy here in America is the First Amendment. Raise your hand in the comments if you enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, freedom to, pr- to protest, all those rights that we are afforded in our Constitution. The question, of course, always is, will those freedoms continue? And I would like to suggest, maybe not, if we continue to swing left politically as our neighbors to the north are doing so. The question that I have to you today is, will Christianity soon be illegal? Let me do that better. Will Christianity soon be illegal? illegal so here's what's happening Canadian politicians this is protestia.com reporting they're introducing a bill remo- to remove Christianity in the Bible as a hate speech defense the article says our neighbors of the north continue to be the ghost of legislative future if we don't get our act together and I believe that during the first session of the 44th Parliament uh, this this certain party, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, their leader introduced a private member's bill that would remove religious exemptions to the law that criminalizes hate speech. Now, here's how it works in Canada right now. If someone is charged with hate speech in Canada, they can defend themselves in court by making the argument that they were in good faith, making an argument based on their religious beliefs. This is Section 319 of the Canadian Criminal Code. says no person shall be convicted of a hate crime offense if, in good faith, the person expressed or attempted to establish by an argument an opinion on a religious subject or an opinion based on a belief in a religious text. Now... Ultimately, this comes down to really just one issue, homosexuality. Can you stand for biblical truth publicly and speak it based on your religious beliefs for traditional marriage? Or really just marriage, because there's no such thing as traditional marriage. It's just man-woman. That is what a marriage is. Now, can you say those things in Canada uh, based on your religious beliefs and convictions? Sure, for now. But right now, the supporters of the bill have found that they have a friendly audience in the nation of Canada. Two-thirds of Canadians support this bill. That is to remove the privilege currently granted to religions or religious authorities concerning hate speech in Canada. Now, full disclosure, the bill has been tabled for now, but it doesn't mean that the sponsors are anywhere close to being done with it. It's just another example of how accepting gay marriage was not just letting them get married. It was going to bring the Western world on a collision course with enshrined laws that would discriminate against people of faith, people like you, people like me. And if you think America will not get there, think again. Remember, Joe Biden is a very progressive left-leaning politician. He campaigned on the idea that he'd be a centrist, that he'd bring us together, that he wouldn't let the fringe crazies rule the day. And he has done exactly the opposite of what he campaigned on. He has brought America way over to the left. And remember, it was just a couple of months ago that he proclaimed on the Transgender Day of Visibility from the White House webpage that transgender Americans s- shape our nation's soul. Yes, Joe Biden. That's his statement, not mine. Transgender Americans shape our nation's soul. And I would like to say, I agree. They are shaping the soul of our nation into an anti Christian, anti biblical morass of discrimination and intolerance for anyone who dares not celebrate them perpetually as the greatest living people on the planet. That is exactly the shape of our country that they are leading us toward. So here's where we are. Christians are hateful, evil bigots, and trans people are the soul of our nation. Now remember, that is the mantra of our age, and our kids are being taught this in public schools, and this is also right up and through the university system. Oh, got a great university story in the Extra Content tonight, if you're subscribed to the Extra Content. More on that later But this is the mantra of our age. This is the narrative of our age. More and more Christians are seeing it. Many secularists are agreeing with it, and nobody seems to be bothered with it. Now, the problem here is this. God warns in his word against this very narrative that we are engaged in right now as Americans. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, Isaiah the prophet writes, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What we're seeing right now is nothing new. It's the same narrative that Isaiah dealt with in his day 2,800 years ago. History repeats. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And so this is why the scriptures repeatedly inform the narrative of our age on how we Christians should respond biblically to the madness that we see on television, in our education, media, and governmental outlets. Now, while Joe Biden is calling transgenders the people who are shaping the soul of our nation, I, your humble correspondent here on The Deep End, was at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee last week. We had a blast. We made tons of connections. I am so excited to share those with you in upcoming broadcasts. We are going to bring this content farther than it's ever been before. But they surprised us at the last moment by letting us know that President Trump would speak at the Religious Broadcast Convention in Nashville, Tennessee last week. So we waited with anticipation on Thursday night as his plane navigated a torrential lightning storm and eventually landed in Nashville, and he arrived at the convention an hour and a half late, but he did speak to us and for full disclosure, he was not the only politician invited to speak. Joe Biden was invited. Robert Kennedy Jr. was invited and Nikki Haley was invited. And the only person that showed up to speak to national religious broadcasters, people like you and people like me, was President Trump. And I just wanted to share with you his words during the speech. Now, remember, Joe Biden, transgender people are shaping the soul of our nation. Here is the words from President Donald Trump. Watch. (laughs) Watch.
1: But Americans of faith are not a threat to our country. Americans of faith are the soul of our country. They are. They're the soul of our country.
0: Now, you may not like President Trump, and I understand that fully. He gives you plenty of reasons to hate him. Absolutely. In fact, I think he is the most hated president we've ever had, at least in recent memory. But this is why Christian conservatives continue to support him. And I know he might just be doing campaign speech, but at least he says it. At least he shows up. President Trump was the only president, only conservative president in history to show up at the National March for Life, the National Pro-Life March in Washington, D.C., in person and speak to the people who are fighting for the lives of the unborn. He's the only president that ever did it. George W. Bush, phoned in. It was a ridiculous look. President, B- President Trump showed up. And he also believes that religious broadcasters are essential. Hmm, I kind of like that. So maybe you disagree with a lot of things that he says and does. And his character, of course, could be raked over the coals and we could bring him through the fine tooth comb that we bring all of our politicians through and find plenty of flaws that should possibly make us dislike him. But we're not voting for a national pre- pastor. We are voting for a federal president, and there is a big difference there. Ultimately, I like the guy who likes us, but that's just my opinion, and I'm just giving you food for thought on the two candidates for president you can choose for yourself. Joe Biden? Well, remember that he is using the FBI to target Catholic churches. Yeah, the FBI targeting mostly Latin-speaking masses, um, as internal memos showed last year. The, the facts could not be clearer. Christianity is headed for open hostility right now in America, and now Christianity is the target of twice the number of open attacks as they were one year ago. A recent study found that attacks against churches doubled in 2023 as opposed to 2022. There is a growing disdain for Christianity. This article from the... Uh, from uh, MSN reports anti-Christian hatred is accelerating in the United States, according to a Christian nonprofit that has tracked violence against the U.S. churches since 2018. The Washington, D.C.-based Family Research Council released its annual Hostility Against Churches report this week, and it found that there were 436 hostile incidences against churches in 2023. That's more than doubled in 2022, and more than eight times as many as in 2018. Check that out. More than eight times as many in just five years. Not only is anti-Christianity Hostility rising, it is escalating. The Washington, D.C.-based Family Research Council finding this out. So you're going to find yourself in a country that is more and more hostile to your to your faith. The question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? Are we going to burn down cities like the Black Lives Matter protest did? Are we going to invade the Capitol like January Sixers did? <laughs> no. See, this is my pastoral heart for you. The scriptures, not The narrative and not your opinion must inform our response, as the (laughs) antipathy—sorry—increases against Christians. In other words, if they hate us, what does Christianity? What does the Bible teach us to do when people hate us? Well, First Peter's. Not ambiguous about it. First Peter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. First Peter 3 14 writes says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Did you hear that, Christian? If you suffer for righteousness' sake. In other words, if they pass laws to restrict your freedom, if they put you in jail because you expressed your Christian belief. If they persecute you, hate you, and revile you, the Bible promises that you will be blessed. So we should not have no fear of them, Peter says, nor be troubled, but in our hearts, set apart Christ as holy. And we should always be prepared, love this text, to make a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. And we should do this with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Now, I have heard people all my life, as I have grown up in the church, pray that God would bring us back to the days of Pentecost. Bring us a first century movement in our day, O Lord. Well, it could very well be that God is doing just that. He is awakening the church. He is bringing us back to our roots, remembering, however, that our roots are in persecution. The great saint Tertullian said, the seed of the martyrs, martyrs is the is the." Sorry, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, the more Christianity gets persecuted, the better Christianity becomes. See as Christianity continues to be marginalized and vilified in our society, the result will be only true Christians will remain. That is, people who love Christ, people who are willing to die and give up their life and rights to serve Him and follow Him. And friends, can I tell you pastorally, that's a good thing for the church. Not only should Christians inform our response to the antipathy, to antipathy, what is wrong with my words today? Antipathy against Christians, but I would like to suggest that history also must inform our response as anti Christian bigotry rises. Back about, what, 70, 80 years ago, oh no, 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 now uh, 90 years ago in Germany, there was a pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he led a movement to resist Hitler's coercion of the church leaders of his time. You see, he led a resistance movement formulating a declaration called the Barman Declaration that insisted that Christianity, not Nazism, not the government is what is going to lead their conscience. The Barman Declaration was a historic document that that included six theses. The six theses are simple. The source of revelation is the word of God. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all aspects of personal life. The message and order of the church should not be influenced by the current political convictions. The church should not be ruled by a leader or Fuhrer, that's the German word for leader. The state should not fulfill the task of the church and vice versa. The state and the church are both limited to their own businesses. Therefore, the Barman Declaration rejects the subordination of the church to the state and the subordination of the Word and Spirit to the church. In other words, we're going to follow God's Word, we're not going to follow the mantras of our age, and we're not going to play politics in doing so. Now when that declaration was written, In Germany, in the 1930s, shortly after the Nazis came to power, did you know that there were 18,000 pastors in Germany at the time? 3,000 pastors signed on with the Nazis immediately. 3,000 signed on with the Barman Declaration. They were called the Confessing Church, and they were led and mentored by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But out of the 18,000, an astonishing 12,000 stayed neutral and tried to get along with the times. And history proved them horribly mistaken, because you cannot get along with evil. You cannot get along with anti-Christian sentiment. And it's time for the American church to have an awakening. This world is not our home. We must remember that. We must stand our ground in Christ. American churches need a gospel declaration. That is, we are not here to make America great again, nor are we here to side with the Democrats. We are here to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And any church and any movement in the name of Christ that seeks to befriend the world, don't you know that James says, makes themselves an enemy of God. And to show us a clear picture of that, we have got to talk about the Catholic Church. Because the Catholic Church, Ooh, things are happening that I have to share with you today. The Catholic Church is in trouble. Now, a few months ago, December in fact, Pope Francis issued a declaration to bless same-sex unions. He was giving pa- a parish priests the permission to, blame, to bless those in same-sex unions. Not to bless the unions themselves, but the people involved in the unions. And there was backlash, and there is tremendous backlash. In fact, Catholic News Agency reporting that the Vatican has has been responding to widespread backlash on the same-sex blessing directive. But tonight, we're going to talk about the cardinal responsible for writing the declaration itself, because there is a backstory, as there always is, to these kind of movements. The cardinal that we are going to focus on is a controversial Argentinian bishop that is known as Monsignor Manuel Fernandez, he wrote the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith, the Declaration or Fiducia Supplicans, on the pastoral meaning of blessings, and in that document, he gave in the Vatican's name permission for priests to bless those in same-sex unions. The rationale being that you don't bless the sin, but you bless the sinner. And how can a sinner come out of sin except to be blessed? And so on and so forth. Although I would argue as a gospel preacher that the only way that a sinner comes out of sin is by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit under the preaching of, the holy, of, the, of God's Holy Word in boldness and in truth, not sugarcoating it, not blessing sinners, but preaching to sinners and calling them to repentance. You know, the way Peter did on the day of Pentecost the way the Holy Spirit empowered all throughout the life of the Apostle Paul and the early Church fathers, and how he is still doing so in many parts of the world, particularly in Africa, where the African bishops in the Catholic Church vehemently resisted this document and still have a serious problem with it. But the question that I have to ask, and we're going to answer tonight, is who is this guy? Who is Manuel Fernandez of Argentina? Well, It might not surprise you to find out that he writes a lot about sex and spirituality. This is the National Catholic Register reporting. A 1998 book by Cardinal Fernandez featured provocative sexually charged themes, and it has resurfaced. The title of the book was Mystical Passion, Spirituality and Sensuality. It's a 26-year-old work and includes graphic descriptions of human sexual relations and discussion on what the Argentinian theologian describes as mystical orgasm. Forgive me for these words, but it's what he writes about. It's a nearly 100-page long book that also depicts in detail an imagery, Erotic, in, in, in detail, an erotic encounter with Jesus Christ on the shores of Galilee, which Cardinal Fernandez said was based on a spiritual experience disclosed to him by a 16-year-old girl. Um, yikes. Uh, this article goes on Cardinal Fernandez's description of an experience of love, a passionate encounter with Jesus that a 16-year-old girl told him about, comes in the book's sixth chapter titled, My Beautiful Come. The passage speaks of encountering Christ at the Sea of Galilee as he bathes and lies in the sand and includes a lengthy description of kissing and caressing his body from head to toe. Throughout the passage, the Blessed Mother is depicting his standing by and approvingly, approvingly allowing the encounter to take place. This is why you have to question all these supposed appearances of the Blessed Mother, because here you have a cardinal in the Catholic Church suggesting that the Blessed Mother appeared as someone was having sex with her son Jesus on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The Cardinal also seems to address sexual relations between the people of the same sex. He says, it says this, After writing that an experience of divine love will not necessarily mean, for example, that a homosexual will necessarily stop being homosexual, Cardinal Fernandez knows that God's grace can coexist with weakness and even with sins, when there is a very strong conditioning. In those cases, the person can do things that are objectively sinful without being guilty. (laughs) That's news to me. And without losing the grace of God or experiencing uh, his love. So I guess John had it wrong when he said in First John chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's talking about believers here, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, i.e. some believers are filled with unrighteousness and they need to confess their sins that they might be cleansed, Senor Fernandez or Monsignor Fernandez. This article goes on after reflecting on how persons can reach a kind of fulfilling orgasm in our relationship with God. The Cardinal writes in the chapter, God and the couple's orgasm, that God can be present when two human beings love each other and reach orgasm. And that orgasm experience in the presence of God can also be a sublime act of worship of God. Oy vey. Catholics, I feel sorry for you, but these are some of your leaders. And by the way, this is Pope Francis's chief theological advisor. The article continues when Cardinal Fernandez was appointed to the head of the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith in July 2023. His 1995 book, Heal Me With Your Mouth, The Art of Kissing resurfaced and was the subject of significant criticism. The book was criticized for its erotic themes and depictions and many suggested the work was inappropriate for a celibate priest. For his part, Cardinal Fernandez said he has no regrets about writing Heal Me With Your Mouth, which he describes as a pastor's uh, catechesis for teens, not a theological book. Now, here's the underhanded part. Similar... To heal me with your mouth, Mystical Passion does not appear any longer on the official list of Cardo Fernandez's publications circulated by the Vatican. And this started when he was announced as the new DDF head. Uh, this is the Catholic Church. This this is what's going on. Uh, the, the last part of the article that I just want to point out here is the testimonies of the mystics show us that the relation that the relationship with God can also beneficially affect the erotic level of man up to his sexuality. So, basically, become a better Christian, get better at sex. You know, like Paul taught. (laughs) A Catholic watchdog group called Bishop Accountability, found at bishopaccountability.org, writes that in 2019, Cardinal Fernandez refused to believe victims of priest sex abuse, disregarding the victim's allegations altogether. Uh, The watchdog group reports, in his response to allegations, he stoutly supported the accused priest and refused to believe the victim's... Uh, Cardinal Fernandez should have been investigated, not promoted to one of the highest posts in the church. Now, I am from a church in Boston, Massachusetts, and I was around in pastoral ministry when Cardinal Law, instead of being reprimanded and disciplined for moving the pedophile priest from parish to parish as they committed crimes against children, he was rewarded with a position in the Vatican where he died in peace. So I know full well that this is the habit of this Catholic Church. It continues to ignore the harm its priests have inflicted upon the young, and it continues to cover over sin and make light of sins of our days. So this is the Cardinal, the New York Times reports, who was behind the official Catholic doctrine welcoming the blessing of same-sex unions, but he was also behind the welcoming of transgender persons to be baptized and become godparents according to Catholic practice. November 2023, the New York Times reported, notice the language, quote, transgender people can't be baptized if there are no situations where there is a risk of causing a public scandal or disorientation among the faithful, end quote. The document did not elaborate on what would be considered a scandal, no duh, and children and adolescents who question their assigned gender may be baptized if well-prepared and willing. So no turning from your sin, no accepting your gender as God has created you. No, none of that. Just get baptized into the Catholic Church. This, friends, is the cardinal who wrote the the dicastery, the declaration, saying that priests can now bless people in same-sex relationships. Is it all starting to make sense yet? Catholics, wake up. Your church has been hijacked. Further news about the Catholic Church in New York City, one of the most historic and largest Catholic church buildings in the country, has hosted a funeral for a trans- activist, atheist in New York City. I wish this was satire. It is not. Yes, the Catholic Church, who, if you get divorced, you are considered anathema and unregenerate in some cases. I have many people in my church, that's their story. They got divorced and not based on Catholic doctrine, and now they are excommunicated from the Catholic Church forever. But the Catholic Church has no problem hosting a funeral for a trans atheist activist in New York City. Yes, this happened last week. St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City hosted this funeral for Cecilia Gentilia, a former sex worker, former also illegal immigrant, who died recently. She is an atheist, or sorry, he is an atheist transgender activist. Yes, yes, Catholics... Are astonished right now, at least faithful Catholics. See, the Catholics are a week into Lent, and this is what the faithful have to see happen in their church's most important, in their nation's most important church. More than 1,000 people, many of whom were transgender themselves, are clad in flashy outfits, packed into the iconic cathedral to celebrate the life of Cecilia Gentili, a high profile activist who advocated for the trans community, sex workers, and HIV AIDS patients. At one point during the funeral, Gentili's friends took to the lect- lectern to pray for access to gender-affirming care. This is LifeSite News reporting, by the way. In another unorthodox moment, a mourner sang out, the priest performing uh, Ave Maria, changing the lyrics to Ave Cecilia, and dancing through the aisles, twirling red scarves, and celebrating this transgender activist. <laughs> this is where the Catholic Church has found itself. During the funeral, LGBT activist Cecilia Gentili was eulogized— in a most shocking manner, and I only can share the video with you. This is the eulogy of the trans atheist activists in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. Guard your ears. Watch. This whore,
2: (laughs) this great whore, St. Cecilia, mother of all whores.
0: To resounding applause.
1: Today we say,
0: we see you soon, and that you will give us the strength, the courage to continue your legacy. I could get on board with you seeing her soon. I just don't think it's going to be where you think you're going to see her. At another point in the eulogy, a drag queen got up and called on the crowd to chant his name in worship-like fashion. You won't believe this. Watch.
2: Y'all know what we about to do, right? Repeat after me. Cecilia. Cecilia! 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 Ladies and gentlemen, Cecilia was born in 1972. Wow.
0: That is straight up abomination. And right in the heart of Northeast Catholicism. This is where the Catholic Church has come to. This is what happens when you appease those who are vehemently opposed to biblical truth. Of course, we're not supposed to hate them. No, we're supposed to reach them. But this is not reaching them. This is calling them in and celebrating with them. Make no mistake, every priest, every leader in the Catholic Church that hosted this event is culpable. They are guilty. They are as guilty as Manasseh, who took and imposed an altar in the temple of the Most High God and brought great judgment upon the monarchy of Israel 2,800 years ago. This is the same generation that Isaiah called out to say, woe to those who say evil is good and good is evil. My word. We are living in biblical times. And perhaps, again and again I say this, in the shadow of the tribulation. I'm shocked. Some people make the case that... Pope Francis is the antichrist leader, or at least maybe the prophetic beast that will arise at the end times and perform counterfeit miracles and lead many astray. He could very well be. The point that I'm trying to make, however, is the Catholic Church fully represents the words of the Apostle Paul to St. Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will love themselves. They will love money. They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, heartless, unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god and this for the catholic church listen having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people if you're a faithful catholic and by that i mean you have your faith in christ jesus number one i don't understand what you're doing in the catholic church anymore i just don't understand and i don't don't i don't go this far usually with catholics but i'm going to now because your faith is at stake The Catholic Church does not save you. Christ, Jesus, saves you. Christ saves me. Protestant faith doesn't save me. Christ saves me. Faith in his name. Period. Full stop. Understand that it's your soul you're playing with. Not mine. Not others. Yours. Get your heart right with God. Find a church that preaches truth, does not celebrate sin, does not endorse evil behavior, does not side with atheists as they expel the divorcees who still believe in Christ from their midst. Divorce is a sin. It's not an unforgivable sin. Transgenderism is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin. Not unforgivable. But when the church partners with sinners and celebrates their sin and allows their facilities to be used to celebrate the very antithesis of their faith, that church is doomed for destruction. That's where the Catholic Church has found itself. Now, the New York Post reports that the cathedral leaders are backtracking, saying they were tricked into hosting this sacrilegious transgender activist wild funeral. You, you mean to tell me, church leaders, that it didn't occur to you that hosting a funeral for an atheist transgender, who, who, a man who pretends to be a woman and hates religion and advocates for gender-affirming care, that is the mutilization and drugging of minors? Who feel like they're in the wrong body? You you didn't realize that "Mm, maybe that's a bad idea? Like that didn't come to your mind? (sighs) How far the Catholic Church has fallen. Pope John Paul would probably be, be rolling over in his grave. And I know that God is not pleased because then this happened. And this is not a, this is not, this is not legend. This is not untrue. This is now verifiably true. God, has, God himself has responded to the Catholic Church's move toward affirming homosexuality, a sin in the eyes of God and in Scripture, that if you accept, I think God casts you away as you are no longer useful to him in the kingdom of God. So this is from CatholicVote.org. Lightning strikes St. Peter's statue on Pope Francis's birthday, Internet lights up. Now, I am going to get deep into this, so stay with me. Before the end of 2023, the Internet was abuzz with rumors, and they were confirmed, to be truthful, that lightning struck the statue of St. Peter on Pope Francis's birthday. Now, the lightning pulverized the key and the halo on the statue of St. Peter, located on the facade of the Sanctuary of Our Lady of the Rosary of San Nicholas, north of and you'll never believe this, Buenos Aires, Argentina. You say, what does that matter? Argentina is the home of the current Pope. And Buenos Aires is where he came from to become Pope. Oh, and it happened on December 17th. December 17th, 2023. Guess what happened on December 18th, 2023? That same day, and I'm going to tell you, explain this in just a moment, that same day that the lightning struck, St. Peter's statue in Buenos Aires, Argentina, the Vatican released the previously mentioned doctoral declaration saying priests can bless same-sex unions. But wait, you say, December 17th, December 18th, are not the same day. Um, You know how the world works, right? It's very possible that this lightning struck at the very time that it was December 18th in Italy, Rome. While well, it was still December 18th in Argentina. Yeah, that's how the world works, because it's a big sphere, you know? That's how the days work. Oh, unbelievable. Literally on the same 24 hours. Let's just let's just concede. Okay, maybe it was a day after. Literally on the same 20 24-hour period, the Vatican, the Vatican issuing a blessing for same-sex couples now is seeing the home, <laughs> the statue of Peter. In the home city of the current pope, be struck by lightning. Let's go a little bit deeper. Here's a picture of the church. And that red arrow is pointing out where the statue sits on the property. Do you notice anything? It's a very small statue. And it's not exactly prominently positioned at the top of the building, is it? I don't know about you, but usually lightning is known to strike the thing that is, I don't know, highest. But St. Peter, this statue, also covered, if you can see, a little enclave there. Under somewhat of a portico, if you will, or shelf on the outside of the building. In other words, the lightning had to go out of its way to hit the statue. And when it was hit, the halo around Peter's head and the keys in his right hand, the key in his right hand, was blown to bits. (laughs) Atheists are always talking about, show me a sign from heaven. Well, there's one. You're going to even acknowledge it? By the way, the reference to the keys is from Matthew 16 when Jesus says to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for Flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now you say, Well, you're a Protestant pastor. I thought you thought that the Pope was not the successor of Peter. No, I don't, but Catholics do. And God likes to speak our language. <laughs> God from heaven has made his opinion clear. I don't think there is any argument that can be made against that. By the way, did you also know it was reported in NBC News that lightning struck St. Peter's Basilica right after Pope Benedict XVI announced his resignation? Now, Pope Benedict XVI was an advisor to Pope John Paul II, a very conservative, very, uh, I would say, far more biblically minded pope than the current pope. And when Pope Benedict, who announced his resignation—which popes are not supposed to do, they're supposed to die in office—when he announced his resignation, lightning struck the uh, most important Catholic Church in the world. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is where we are in our world, living in the shadow of the Tribulation. Where to next, Catholics? Really. I I mean, if you're hosting funerals for atheist transgender activists and lightning from heaven— strikes (laughs) because God is not approving of the insubordination of Christ and his word in your church and by your leaders. I remind you that a church that marries the age will be widowed in the next. Where to next? I'll tell you where next. This is news out of Nashville. The AP reporting. U.S. Justice Department sues over Tennessee law targeting HIV positive people convicted of sex work. Now, this article basically underscores a suit that has been brought against Tennessee by the U.S. DOJ against a law on the books in the state that make it a felony if you engage in prostitution and you are knowingly HIV positive. So imagine a world where you are no longer registered for being HIV positive while you knowingly engage in prostitution and there's no extra consequences for doing so. This is what our federal government wants across all 50 states. The article reads, uh, people with HIV should not be subjected to a different system of justice based on an outdated science and misguided assumptions. Assistant Attorney General Kirsten Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division said in a news release announced, announcing the lawsuit Thursday. The lawsuit reflects the Justice Department's commitment to ensuring that people living with HIV are not targeted because of their disability. Okay, so now <laughs> we've gotten to the point where HIV is a disability. Gee, I didn't, I didn't know that. I I didn't know that if you have random, promiscuous sex with strangers and you transmit or receive a sexually transmitted disease because of your carelessness, you are now considered um, disabled? Uh, the article goes on, prostitution has long been criminalized as a misdemeanor in Tennessee, but in 1991, Tennessee lawmakers enacted an even harsher statute that applied only to sex workers living with HIV. Nearly 20 years later, the state's legislator revised the law once more by requiring lifetime sex offender registration for those convicted under the con- controversial statute. In the years since, the Fe- the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, yeah, those wonder geniuses from COVID days, has warned that laws criminalizing HIV exposure, many of which enacted amid the height of the AIDS epidemic are outdated and ineffective now listen to the next line black and latino communities have been particularly affected by these laws even as the same standards do not apply to other infectious diseases <laughs> yikes the story behind the suit is even more interesting do you, do you know the story that they're referencing this is this is not not a lie <laughs> it's on the based on the experience of an unnamed black transgender woman that is a man from memphis who learned that he, not she, had HIV in 2018, was arrested in 2010 for prostitution near a church um, and a school, or a school It won't, won't stipulate which, and pleaded guilty in 2012 to one count of criminal attempt at, attempt at aggravated prostitution. Because he had to register as a sex offender, the man was has experienced periods of homelessness while struggling to find safe housing. He has also had difficulty finding a job after employers run their his background check and they can't afford, he can't afford to spend time alone with his nephew because of his conviction, the last two states. Wow. Shocking. Engage in set work, sex work around minors, and hmm, some people are displeased and pass laws to oppose it. But never fear, sexual predators. The federal government is here to make sure that you can continue as you were. This is the new oppressed These are the new oppressed, an atheist activist at a Catholic church being commemorated as some kind of saint, and a man who wants to pretend to be a woman and spread HIV knowingly around schools and churches, and is subsequently homeless and struggling. These are the new oppressed people. Uh, On the positive side, I would like to tell young Christians why I actually like this move, and... If the Department of Justice gets their way and Tennessee removes this law and now you can spread HIV knowingly through prostitution and just suffer a misdemeanor on your rap sheet? Okay, this is good in some ways. Let me me explain why. You better get your sex life in order. You better not play around. You better not go visit the dark places of society because you are not safe and no longer is the law on your side. Don't be stupid with your sexual decisions. Find yourself someone who goes to church and loves Jesus. Find yourself a mate and don't sleep around and try things out and live together. (laughs) There's always a silver lining to this nonsense and madness. And the silver lining is it's time for the church to be the church because the church that caves to culture will collapse with the culture. Wow. I got through that content pretty well, (laughs) pretty easily pretty forcefully, but it's so true. It's so imperative that we are aware of what's happening in our world. Now, I have to talk to, talk to you about another transgender person, Dylan Mulvaney, because he's a Christian, according to his own words, and we've got to talk about it because I think that a lot of Christians act just like him. Let's do a Pastor reaction. <laughs> So Dylan Mulvaney, if you don't know, is a transgender influencer who came out with a video series highlighting his uh, 365 days of girlhood, and now he has produced a video talking about his relationship with God, and I need to discuss this. Because as the Bible states in 1 John 4, 1, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. So we have a biblical mandate here to examine the words of someone like Dylan Mulvaney with a very powerful and large platform. When he speaks about Christian faith, what is going on? Let's test the spirit and let's test his own words. Again, a testimonial video, selfie video. Dylan loves to do these on a regular basis. Now this is, again, a man pretending to be a girl. And here he is talking about his Christian faith. Watch.
2: Hi, I'm going to preface this video by saying this video might seem a little out of left field for me because I don't often speak about my faith on here. So if you are at all triggered by God or religion, you can totally keep on scrolling. I love you. Um, and if you're still here, where are my Jesus girlies at? Hey, I am in a okay place with God right now. And I'm trying to find what my faith is after, you know, kind of growing up in the church and then being really burned by it. Uh, he was a Mormon, by the way. And right now, God and I are, like, dating again. We're not exclusive, and we're not living together, but um, we're in a good place. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
0: We're in a good place. Based on what, Dylan? Based on your perception of yourself, which is always a very convenient way to serve God, if you ask me. Do relationship with God as you see fit, not as he sees fit or has revealed in his word. No, 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 no. We don't want to be tied to that historic past. We don't want to be on the wrong side of history as Obama told us, no, 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 we must reimagine God in our own idea.
2: And I read something today that really got me thinking because it was a journal entry from a few months ago when I was really going through a difficult situation. And it said, if God was real, why would God let this happen to me? And now I read it back and I thought back on that specific situation. And I am so grateful that I went through it. And I'm so much stronger because of it. And I actually thought maybe God was like the most present with me during that situation because I needed to come out a changed person, you know, someone that's stronger, someone that has learned something. And I am just so sick of these people trying to...
0: Oh, uh, I don't know if you picked up on the Christina Aguilera vibes there. Thanks for making me a fighter. But that's basically not the gospel according to... If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or Paul. It's the gospel
2: according to modern pop music. Thanks for making me stronger. Use God and religion against the queer and trans community. Like we are not entitled to having any sort of faith. And a lot of the times a comment will be like, I hope you find God or you need Jesus. And I'm like, honey, I found God and we're in cahoots. We're doing just fine. And a lot of the times too, really hateful commenters, I'll click on their profile and in their bios, they'll have a Bible quote and it'll be like, treat everyone, you know, equally. That Bible quote
0: does not exist.
2: I'm like, well, what the hell? What did you just leave in my, my caption or my, in my comments? And I also think there might be people, you know, that don't particularly enjoy someone like me. And they might say they might watch this video and say, well, that's Satan masquerading himself as a believer. And I sure hope not because I do not fare well in extreme heat.
0: Uh, Let me just say that I do not believe that he is Satan masquerading himself as a believer. I believe that he is Dylan Mulvaney masquerading himself as a believer. He is an unbeliever masquerading him as a believer. I can get on board with that, but he is not Satan. He is deceived by Satan. Dylan, you're not the originator of this lie.
2: Satan is. You've just been caught up in it. That's our message to you. Um, But also, I don't feel evil. I don't feel like a bad person. Um, And I I would like to think that I can still have a relationship with some version of God. Version of God. St. Augustine said that in the beginning,
0: God made us in his image. And ever since then, we've been repaying the favor.
2: Um, And I also kind of laugh thinking about those people, like, you know, spending their whole lives hating a specific type of person. And then they check into heaven and they get their outfit on and then they get escorted to the cafeteria and there's assigned seating and they're seated next to like someone like me and they've got to just sit together eating for the rest of eternity, can't wait. Um, But I, I really think that maybe someone like me, people like me, maybe we're like a discrepancy in nature. Let me describe what I mean. Like, have you ever seen a flower before that you're like, holy crap, how can that color exist in nature? Like, how is that natural? Because a lot of people look at someone like me and they say that's very, that's a very unnatural person. And we look at this flower or or maybe it's, um, maybe it's a mountain that looks like it's carved from like a sculptor from humans. You can't believe that that would just exist in the world or or a bird that sounds different than it looks like you hear it and then you go oh my god that doesn't that does not match up maybe that's like someone like me maybe what's so crazy though is that usually when we look at those things in nature we're fascinated by them we admire them we want to learn how that's possible but when it comes to human forms that maybe have some discrepancies or a little different. We immediately want to turn away from what we don't understand.
0: So quick, quick word here. When you're picking up um, anthropological truth from biological reality of plants and animals, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble because some animals eat their young. We shouldn't do that, right? Um, Some animals eat their own feces. We shouldn't do that either. The animal kingdom is not our model for behavior, nor is the plant kingdom our model for true humanity. No, no, no. We are humans. We are made in the image of God. That's on page one of the scriptures. That is showing us that we are made different, distinctly, and supremely more important than plants and animals. We are called to rule and subdue them, not follow and imitate them this is imperative for Christians to understand because what Dylan does here is kind of brush through a bunch of pantheism. God is in everything and everything reveals God. And therefore we must be like everything in order to be like God. That's basically what he says here. Let's see if there's anything else.
2: We don't know. And, and I think maybe what if there was a way to find connection through faith? And, and what if I wasn't, here as something evil but what if i was here as something good um and i guess i just get really really sad thinking that i'm not allowed to have a relationship with some higher power or that i am the the villain um i don't want to be dylan the villain (laughs) i don't want to and
0: Uh, okay let me stop here and say Dylan, you absolutely do have a relationship with God. It's just not, not on good terms, as all believers are. Not on good terms with God. Every person has a relationship with God. You know that statement that we Christians, we love to throw this out? It's not religion, it's a relationship. No, it's a religion. Because a religion is a relationship to the divine. Based on how the divine has coordinated our relationship should be. I get so tired of modern Christians trying to placate the Christian faith by saying it's not a religious relationship. It is relation- It is a relationship through the religion that is based on certain parameters that God has set forth in his word on how Christians are supposed to relate to him. It's not just relationship. In other words, God doesn't just listen to me on what I think he should say and what I think he should be like and what I think I should do. No, no, no. God hears me. hears my prayer. And then he corrects me. Then he changes me. And by the way... He's got a lot to do on me still, okay? We do. We all have a relationship with God. It's just many of us are not on good terms with him. And I pray, I do not condemn. I pray for Dylan Movedi because Jesus didn't come to condemn you either, Dylan. He came to save you. He came to save you from you. Just as he came to save me from me. That's the Christian message. So you're welcome to it you're not you're not eliminated from it if you are eliminated it's because of the lack of faith in Christ's name and in the Bible and in the scriptures for how we are to relate to the God who made us instead of relating to God the God who we make in our own image but really at the heart of the matter and why I bring this content to you is not not for clicks this is in many ways Dylan enunciates here what a lot of Christians um, enunciate in regards to their relationship to God. God on my terms, Christianity as I see fit, and really what it is, it's modern Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a first century heresy based on Platonic dualism that believed that the body and the physical did not not matter, only what was inside, the spiritual, the inner mind, gnosis for the Greek word um, knowledge. That's the only thing that matters. So you have to have the spiritual connection to God, and your body is irrelevant. It also involves cosmological dualism, an opposition between the spiritual world and the evil material world. The Bible is filled with heretics who promoted this nonsense. One of them pictured here is Marcion. Marcion, a second-century heretic, believed that the Old Testament God was different from the New Testament God. Following him, Valentinus—not Saint Valentine, that's a good saint—Valentinus Another second-century heretic questioned whether Jesus had a psychic or pneumatic body. Now, this is Gnosticism, and it matters because the reality is the physical does matter. God made all things. At the end of the creation account in Genesis 1, he declares them good. When he makes man, he declares it very good, man and woman, very good. And his plan was to live in this very physical world with physical human beings and to have a physical and spiritual relationship with us. Now, of course, sin has corrupted the physical and the spiritual, and we need redemption. That's why Jesus came, not as a mystical body, but as a physical man. He came in the likeness of flesh. He became man, so that he might redeem us out of the sinful nature, redeem us out of the darkness of the age, set us free from the demonic powers and the power of the evil one and the power of death and bring us into the true light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. That is what Jesus came to do. And he is also redeeming the world. He is also making all things new. Your body matters. You will be resurrected. Your body will be resurrected. Now it will not look the way that it went into the grave, but it will look glorious and it will be a physical body like his glorious body. His glorious body came out of the grave and after being whipped and tortured and brutally murdered for six hours, it came out of the grave three days later and they couldn't recognize him because he was raised into a glorious new physical reality. Gnosticism, however, has crept back into the church when we start to embrace transgenderism, because again, transgenderism is based on Gnosticism, that as you think in your heart, as you think in your mind, that's the only thing that really matters. Your body doesn't matter, so your body is irrelevant. Cut it off, adjust it, change it, identify it as whatever you see fit, because you can be whatever you think you can be. This is nothing new. It's just that we now have the surgical practices, practices and procedures um, and powers to make it come to pass. Gnosticism is addressed all throughout the New Testament, and when you realize what it is and that it was so prevalent in the first century, you understand passages like 2 John chapter 7, verse 7, which says, Many deceivers have gone into the world, those who do not confess Jesus Christ coming in the flesh as a deceiver and John says an antichrist 1 John 4 2 says by this you shall know the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh uh, that is not a mystical spiritual being but a flesh and blood human being who also is God that is orthodox foundational biblical Christian doctrine All bets are off in your your moral life if you do not believe that Jesus came in the flesh, because then we don't have to live in the body in any way that requires sacrifice, discipline, self-denial, and a lifestyle transformation. Then we can be physically whatever we want. And this is how the Corinthians got away with sexual morality and going to the Aphrodite temple and sleeping around with sex shrine prostitutes and making sure that they could enjoy whatever indulgence of the flesh they want. And Paul repudiates them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 saying, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have within you? Therefore, honor God with your body. And Paul also says to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Our bodies matter, Dylan. Your body matters. And young person, it's not relationship on your terms. It's relationship through the religious terms that God has set forth in the covenant of Christ's blood. Period. Full stop. I warn you. I challenge you. I call you to examine your own self and your own heart and mind. Are you in the faith? Are you truly submitted to God's word and authority over your life? Or are you doing Christianity on your terms? Because if you are, your relationship with God is not on good terms. Well, as I said earlier... Uh, Our team went down to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had a chance to interview some fascinating people, and I'm going to share one of those interviews with you today on The Deep End. I don't know if you remember the story of Joe Kennedy. He was the praying football coach who fought his way from 2015 all the way to 2022, all the way up to the Supreme Court for his right to kneel at the 50-yard line after a high school football game alone, not inviting students along with him, just alone, as you know, First Amendment states we can do. And he was fired and put to task and put through hell, almost lost his marriage, but ultimately won a Supreme Court case, which established a precedent, thank God, for future generations that we do, yes, we still do, have the freedom to practice our faith as Christians. Thank God for him, and I interviewed him. He was wonderful. What a down-to-earth guy. And I want to share that interview with you here on The Conversation. Watch. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Conversation. I am so excited to be sitting here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in 2024 in Nashville, Tennessee with Joe Kennedy, a coach of a high school football game who was unceremoniously released for praying at the 50-yard line exercising his First Amendment right. His case went all the way up to the Supreme Court. He won and he's with us here on
1: the show on the channel today. Joe Kennedy, welcome. It's awesome to be here. I love Tennessee, too. I graduated from University of Tennessee, so I kind of came home here. It's a great state. Yeah, I love it. I love the landscape. Uh, I always call it New Hampshire of the South. It feels a
0: lot like New Hampshire, but it's just much warmer. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kennedy, real quick, tell our audience your story. I kind of summarized the the big win, Supreme Court win. But quickly, in your own words, you know, what, what happened? How did we get there?
1: yeah so i started i had a covenant with god and that just to pray after every game uh facing the giants was my inspiration nothing nothing original you know i didn't start praying on the on you know in football that's been going on from the beginning of time i just after every game win or lose i was given thanks for being able to be part of it went on for eight years sometimes i had players and Sometimes I didn't. And important on the kids.
0: Important caveat is you did not invite the players. Oh no, no. Which no. were high school, you know, public yeah. high school
1: students to come right. play with you. Yeah, they asked if they could join, and yeah. I was like, This is America. You can do whatever you guys want. They asked if they could invite the other team, and I said, This is your team. You guys do what you want to do. So we had, you know, everybody in the league at at one time out there on the fifty yard line, which was incredible with sportsmanship. It was a great thing. Yeah. America yeah so in the eighth year eight season of us doing this somebody saw what we were doing from another school district called our principal and said hey I want to tell you I just went to my first game here in in your district and I want to tell you what I saw was awesome yeah he liked it It, yeah that's the most astonishing compliment right so of course with any compliment you want to start an investigation to find out what was awesome and the lawyers got a hold of it Everybody started freaking out about it. They had questions, is this or is this not right? And from there, it spun out of control. And of course, they're gonna go on the, you know, risk adverse and ended up uh, warning me and telling me that, you know, well first, actually they first said, stop praying with the team. And I said, that's unfortunate, but okay, you know. yeah, no problem with that. Your school, your rules, and it started out with just me anyway. So I, I never prayed with my team again. The other team came out, which, what do you do with that? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I, I never prayed with my team again. Then they said, well, just stop praying altogether. And I said, well, I can't do that, and I won't do that. I'm an American, I fought for my country, I fought for our, our the First Amendment's pretty clear. That's right. And so I'd, I was defiant, I said no. And they said, well, if you, if you don't, stop praying, you gotta choose between your job and, and your prayer. Wow. And I said, well, that's an easy one for me. I'm gonna do the First Amendment. And that's what it really was. It wasn't really the religious part of it. It was the First Amendment part of it. And so I did. They put me on suspension. And then at the end of the year, terminated me. And we had to take it to court, up to the Supreme Court.
0: Okay, that is a preview of the interview. The full interview is on the Patreon content. And it will be released right after this episode. You say, ah, why are you doing that? Because we need your support. Because we are going to build this channel and we're going to build this content larger than ever before. And it's got to go beyond you. We want to get this everywhere we can. We want to fight back against big tech censorship, which I'm going to be talking about into extra content as well. So support us and be part of the dependables, guys. Check out the membership plans. Free content we will always provide on Tuesday night at 7.30, but then there are four levels in which you can support us, and it's as cheap as $10 a month. You can just see everything that we have to offer you in the content. Go over to patreon.com slash Live, and I do have one more thing to share with you tonight. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God's statement to Abraham, I will curse those who dishonor you. And I, I love it when the Bible comes to pass, because there was a protest against Israel led by some pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas supporters, where they decided to light the Jewish flag on fire, the Israeli flag on fire, and they got their commutments Genesis 12, verse 3 style, and I think it's glorious. Watch.
2: Wow.
0: It's hard. It's hard not to laugh. But my word, lightning strikes and fire breaks out. Watch out, because these are harbingers of things to come. You say, well, I know a lot of sinners that don't get struck by lightning. Yes, but those who don't repent are all going to hell. You say, I, I know a lot of people who light flags and fire. They don't get burned themselves. Right. Yes, but the fires of hell will burn all who reject and renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. So get right with God. It's so simple. Put your faith in him and trust him and then support Christians who preach the gospel and the truth. By the way, guys, reminding you that when you support us, we support Project Rescue, which rescues people out of sex trafficking, and the American Bible Society, which gets the Word of God into people's hearts. And I have a new URL for our swag shop, Shop TimHatchLiveShop.com, and new material, new uh, uh, clothing being released constantly. Check it out, the Bold as a Lion shop, Tim Hatch I'm so glad that you were here. I hope you enjoy the content and I look forward to being a partner with you in the future of the deep end and Tim Hatch live. God bless you. Have a great night.